0: hi everybody uh we're, we're back after a week and welcome to nwr connectivity episode 334 uh john is missing an episode for the, the first time since the castlevania game club and before then I, I don't know 3 15 years something like that uh but i neil ronahan i'm with you this week and joining me is our editor co-host extraordinaire alex DeFreitas. hey how's it going it's going all right. You know, uh, hanging in there during during Gamescom, uh, getting excited for the like the little hole of the onslaught of games coming about. But uh, I believe, Alex, you were like me, where all we're doing is playing Xenoblade when we yeah. have time to play games. I didn't pay attention at all to
1: Gamescom. Um, I, I've just kind of been kind of peeking at it from the side here the past couple minutes, but uh, I've just been playing Xenoblade mostly.
0: I'll be honest, uh, from having someone who kind of paid attention to Gamescom, I don't think you're missing that much.
1: Yeah, from everybody who paid attention to the the Jeff Keighley presentation, it, it didn't seem like there was much there, especially for Switch owners.
0: And it, I mean, that's, that's going to be par for the course. And it is like with the Keighley stuff. I think I said it in uh, the NWR Slack chat or something like that about how in Keighley's efforts to take over E3, he became E3, where i I feel like with opening light live which that was the the gamescom event that he had and um the summer games fest kickoff thing back in June and even the game awards like they all have a very similar feel and vibe and we're getting to that point where there's like a a list of games that like it seems like Keeley just has the exclusive on updates on like how mm-hmm. we keep on seeing the dude who made dead space um who's doing Callista protocol which i don't think i will play that game but that game as a spiritual successor to dead space looks great but it just seems like oh like keely's buddies with this dude he shows up at every one of his shows um cool like it's all like there's not a lot of surprises because there's a lot of things that like you just expect like okay he's probably gonna get kojima to show up maybe i'm gonna listen to kojima's podcast i don't know um, I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, H- Hideo Kojima is, yeah, is doing a podcast.
1: Hear. I mean Kojima is having a podcast, Sakurai has a YouTube channel. Like I'm I'm all here for legendary Japanese game devs having content yeah. creation side projects.
0: I mean, that's honestly the biggest news this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh I Sakurai I'm all in. making a YouTube channel. Like I I had noticed like there because uh, yeah Masahiro Sakurai who you might know as the dude behind Smash Brothers and Kirby and a lot of things man about town as it were but he like the other day on Twitter he's been doing like daily Smash Brothers pictures since since Ultimate I think since Ultimate was fully revealed at uh what E3 2008 I think it, so he's been doing that for like four years
1: yeah longstanding tradition
0: but yeah, and he said, like, all right, like, this is the last daily Smash Brothers thing I'm going to do, but I think I'm going to do something else, but it's not going to be daily. And I was like, huh, I wonder what, like, maybe, maybe it's like uh, an announcement for a next project's going to happen, and then he's going to do, like, a monthly, like, blog thing, like, he did but like the Smash Dojo or something like, like, who knows? Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be like, Sakurai seems like he's about to open up a Patreon and go, go out alone. Yeah. Um. Even though he, ki- he kind of did that like 20 years ago when he left Howl Labs. And I think he's been doing a pretty pretty good job for himself going it alone. Uh, although most of it has been making games for Nintendo outside of like his brief media dalliance. He also made that Beetle game,
1: which I just found out
0: about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's <laughs> a lot of, of weird before. Yeah, so uh, like I, he's only got three videos on his channel so far. One of them is like, a, it's like, it, it, I do love him kind of bagging on the YouTube algorithm. Yes. But also some like of my favorite parts. near and dear to my heart where he's like, I know I could make long videos and like that would be very good, but I'm going to try to keep these as short and to the point as possible. Like out of the three videos that he put out, I mean, one of them is just like, it's basically like a, a slideshow of all the games that he directed. And one of them is a seven minute long intro video. And then the other one's like a four minute video uh, that I actually have not watched. His, the, the one of substance that he's had out um, it's pretty good about, about hit stops. But I just, I, I love that this is happening and it is the kind of thing, like part of the reason why I haven't watched that video is because I wanted to like sit down and really pay attention to it. Whereas I did, I, uh, I, I watched his, his intro video um, on my phone before I went to bed. Um, Cause that's, that's when that all happened.
1: Yeah. There's just something very heartwarming to like see this legendary developer who's been in the industry for so long. Like keep in mind, he made Kirby when he was 19 years old. He's in his early 50s, and he still is so passionate about game design that he is self-funding this project. Like, he doesn't need to do this. It's not yeah. like this is going to build any clout for him. Like, the, he doesn't need this to get jobs. He's
0: not monetizing the videos, yeah. which that's no one ads. of those things where it's, it's very silly that, like, especially if it is something like you're, you know, paying for editors and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of, like, not um, I mean... Uh, i'll say this not to not to slag on um noclip danny o'dwyer who used to be at Gamespot. um his document the documentaries that noclip puts together are phenomenal but he like you know they're funded by patreon and he won't do monetization on youtube videos and it seems like they have funding issues and i look at that i'm like bro just just turn on the monetization for youtube (laughs) yeah (laughs) come on man I like that's what like I do see sacrifice thing where I was like, you can make these monetized and it'll just be a way for you to generate some income, not necessarily for you to like, you know, have this huge ROI, but just like fund what you're doing.
1: Right. Just to pay for the, yeah, costs keep, the keep the
0: lights on of, mm-hmm. of editors and your giant couch. I do wonder if like
1: after all those Smash Brothers videos and I think like didn't those Smash Brothers videos where he's the one kind of leading them we a product of them running out of marketing money.
0: That is what he said. Um, I mean, there, there's some, it, it is also funny. The ones that are like pre pandemic where you'd have all like the people in the office laughing. Yes. Um, definitely a different tenor when it was like in his house. But uh, yeah, I think that was a little like, that's what they said is that it was, they ran out of marketing money, which is probably true. It's also like, what's the best way to communicate this? It's that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I I wonder if the content creation bug bit him when he was making those. He's like, I want to do this for game design now.
0: Yeah, I mean, thinking of how in the weeds those Smash character breakdowns would go and Mm -hmm. how, like, how long they all were. Yeah, no, he probably had fun with it. And it's probably something where he might have had questions arise. And and that kind of led to this. Like, I mean, he he does reference in his intro video talking about how, like, people want him to give talks or or teach them. And he's like, this is my attempt at doing that. And I think probably a a thing with Sakurai too, is that the fact that he did go it alone for people that don't know his history. He actually technically never really worked for Nintendo. Um, Like he, like, I don't think he's ever been a full-time salaried Nintendo employee because he was at Hal labs. Um, That's where he made Kirby and I believe, I forget what the ownerships. I think Nintendo has an ownership stake in Hal labs, but they are not, a uh, subsidiary how labs is a separately owned company it's kind of like a um, like a like a pokemon company like game freak i think isn't owned by nintendo as well there's a handful of companies that are in this spot where intelligent systems is another another mm-hmm. good example of a company that is not owned by nintendo but is very nintendo friendly and nintendo usually has some amount of ownership stake in the company but sakurai started at how labs made kirby and then he was there I guess about like 10, 15 years, something like that. Cause his last game was Kirby Air Ride, which came out on GameCube in like 2002 or 2003. And then he was an independent contractor. That's what he made. Medios. Um, I think, did he do that with Q Games or was it Q Entertainment? I now I need to double check this. <laughs> I know nothing about Medios. It's a really good puzzle game. I do that and Luminous came out at the same time, which is why why I'm getting it confused with um. Oh no, no, it was Q Entertainment. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> um, because it because it came out around the same time as Luminous, which was a Q Entertainment game. Uh, Tatsuya Mizuguchi, who you probably have heard of, his, he he did Res, um, and also Tetris Effect. Um, but now Tetris we effect. have
1: very good game.
0: Yeah, what is this new yeah, Enhance is the company that he has now that, that he's had that company since 2014. But Q Entertainment was the predecessor there. He's also Mizaguchi's an old Sega guy, uh, did like Space Channel 5, and that's where he did Res. But yeah, he did he did Luminous, which is a pretty like cool puzzle game, and then worked with Sakurai on Meteos, which is a pretty cool puzzle game. Um, I just remember always getting them confused. But then that's yeah, that's when Sakurai, you know, struck out on his own and then wound up just working with Nintendo as an independent contractor first on Brawl, where I think, I forget the exact, there's definitely some Smash Brothers heads that, uh, hi, Matt, Smash Brothers heads who who definitely have more of this uh, history off the top of the dome, whereas for me, it's a little rusty. I know with Brawl, he worked with Game Arts, um, and I think that was okay. a rough development process. And then for Kid Icarus Uprising, he put together... A specific team just for that game. And that apparently was hell. Because, like, when you're working with an established developer, everybody has worked together. Like yeah. you, you see that it's easier. And that's part of the reason I think Kidarchus Uprising was, I think, a longer development cycle and also a pretty hard one. And that was because that team was put together specifically for that game. And I think after that game was done, that team disbanded. But then for the past decade, he's been working with Bandai Namco right on the smash brothers games so i mean it's a weird thing because it's i think technically with smash brothers like there's not a lot of people who work directly at nintendo there's definitely a producer or two and stuff like that but it's bandai namco doing a lot of the heavy lifting and sakurai who is not a nintendo employee um Mm -hmm. he's directing it
1: yeah i I guess that kind of explains why kid icarus uprising hasn't had like a sequel or a, a remaster of any
0: sort hey dude's got time now well, yeah i guess he's gonna have to create a new team well that just said uh, i mean he's been working with bandai namco for have, since have like namco, 2012 bandai namco do it yeah get, get bandai namco on kiddick Uprising surprising too i
1: trust them with smash brothers i guess i'll trust them with the uh, with kiddick
0: bandai namco is one of those companies that have like them and koey tecmo are like 65 percent of nintendo's games it feels like it right because Bandai, Nam- well, well, Bandai Namco well, uh, Namco. If you believe the rumors, and the rumors were true, they, they were working on Metroid Prime Four initially, uh, and uh, like Mario Kart, <laughs> that's Bandai Namco's worked on eight. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that was all internal. I think, so I believe with eight, I think I actually looked up this looked this up recently. I believe with eight, it was mostly asset generation, mm-hmm. um, and that was part of. That's part of why Nintendo went to the development structure that they're currently in is because um, there's like the three, I'm actually, uh, I'll mention it on the show so that way people can bug me when it's not done in six months. I'm slowly working on a and a very long video script about like Nintendo's development history and like the different groups and stuff over the years. But so there were like the, the research and development groups. That's if you've ever heard like R&D one, R&D three, Um, That's where that comes from, where R&D 1 was Gunpei Yokoi. Um, I think, what was it, R&D 3 or 4, that was Miyamoto's team that then became EAD, Entertainment Analysis and Development. Um, Then we got SPD. Yeah, and then SPD. So SPD, that comes into play in 2003, 2004, when Iwata becomes president, where he realigned everything. Um, And that's, that's also a big reason why like Metroid, 2D Metroid went away for a while is because R&D 1 historically made the Metroid games. Mm -hmm. They then became SPD, which is uh, software production department or something like that. But SPD was not an internal development team. It was an internal production team. So all the, uh, like SPD would be working with other developers outside of Nintendo on games. So that's why, you know, for Metroid, uh at spd it's it's why other m was with team ninja it's why um samus returns and dread are with mercury steam because they don't really have there there are developers uh, i mean there are developers from nintendo like for those metroid games i believe there is a nintendo director but they just don't have the the fullness of the staff to do that and then in I, I think it was after Iwata's death was when they they went into their new structure which is basically there's less walls there are still teams but more of like the asset generation is shared between them, whereas before they were more siloed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even there's like the stuff recently where I think I think Game Freak is now based out of the same building as Nintendo. I think there's some. Were stuff not like need... that before? No, no. Game Freak was in a separate separate building, but now was Cal that...
1: also in the same building as Nintendo? I don't think so. Okay,
0: I forget. I think there's I think two like because like there's all of internal Nintendo outside of the. EAD Tokyo, or I guess they're technically EPD Tokyo. Yeah, because that is the the new name is is EPD because it's basically EAD and SPD being combined is 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 now it's one unit as opposed to separate ones um, with individual teams between them. But yeah, Nintendo moved to a new development space sometime in the past couple of years. That stuff, it's more like I remember when the news got announced, I haven't dug into the modern stuff as much for this video yet. Well, did you hear that they're also restructuring
1: again? For what? Wasn't there like a fire at the office or something? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. Different yeah. kind of restructuring. Yeah, the buy new yeah. furniture.
0: I was just uh, like, what did I miss? <laughs> it's the the Switch Pro is too powerful. It's too,
1: way too powerful. The DLSS 4K.
0: <laughs> it just it doesn't
1: work. It's black magic. No, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, um, it's also the reason when we got we don't have the the Wario Land games anymore. Is uh that used to also be, I think it was, it was also R and D one. Those, uh, yeah, yeah. And then that went to good feel and yep. treasure for, and, and Shaken and 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 I and think World, did World. Suzak, Suzak, I think did a shitty Wario game or I forget masters in disguise.
0: I think masters, that was Suzak master of disguise. Yeah. But yeah. there is, I mean, you can tell that where there's like, they need the partner for it. They can't mm-hmm. just do it on their own. And there's even, there's like a lot of quotes from, um, Yoshio Sakamoto, the, the 2d Metroid guy, the, the father of Metroid where he's just like, oh, I was looking for the right developer and I couldn't find it. Like that's, that was his reasoning for why there wasn't... Oh, I mean, the, the wild thing about that is that some of those issues crop up before the 2004 restructuring because Sakamoto talked about how they didn't have the right team to make a Metroid game on N64. Mm. Um, and I think that's why as, as games got more complicated, Nintendo's never been a company, uh, you know, whether they should do this or not. They haven't been a company to just ramp up staffing just to do one game. Like they, right. they like keeping it a little leaner, which is why they bring out they do a lot of outsourcing, bring in a lot of, you know, contract teams. And I think an example of like how um Kidaker's Uprising's development, where that was a lot of contractors brought together to make a team. Uh I I do, I think I mean I I'd love Kidaker's Uprising um very much. I think that game rules. But I think the development for that was very, very tough. And that's probably a lot more why you see Nintendo not building building like contractor teams for specific games and as, as opposed to we are going to partner with this developer that is already organized together
1: and somehow they are still able to maintain like that nintendo level of polish even when they're working with these third parties that yeah. maybe in the past you know like the classic ones mercury steam where castlevania lords of shadow is isn't exactly highly regarded but metroid dread is is absolutely stellar and i still think samus returns is really good
0: too yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a testament to the producers. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's what I, I've had conversations with different Western studios um, that have worked with Nintendo. Um, I forget who exactly what I can or cannot talk about. One of them was Endspace. They don't exist anymore, so I think I can talk about that. But like a lot of the, a lot of those Western developers, whenever I've talked to anybody from them, it's always that like those producers, it's very tough like i mean with with the uh, the game that enspace did with nintendo geist um like a 2005 first person shooter on gamecube i think miyamoto i think there's a lot of horror stories of working with miyamoto just because he was very demanding but i do think that i mean even if geist is a game that eh, maybe that's like a c c level game b b level at best um for its time maybe a b game but like there's a lot of things that it's demanding but if you can work with those those nintendo producers you're working with some of like the top video game talent in the world, yeah. Like, I mean, I do. I, I think Miyamoto lost his fastball a little bit, but he's still really stinking smart and knows this. Knows a lot of things about this industry that people like get make Miyamoto make a YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure his intuition's still there. Uh, he makes weird decisions sometimes, but still a genius in my eyes. Yeah, I do wonder, like what if you were to take all the games that were made specifically by NCL internal de- internally developed EAD, how many games get produced by Nintendo a year versus everything that gets
0: outsourced? Um, it's is, it is probably depressingly low.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, there's probably years where like Nintendo does to put out anything themselves.
0: Yeah, like I think I actually remember looking at that at some point um, and now I'm now I'm bringing it up. Um, I mean, 2020, special circumstances um <laughs> guess how many games were were internally made by nintendo 2020 specifically yes um
1: i'm gonna say maybe pikmin 3 deluxe was actually no
0: no, no? pikmin 3 deluxe was i think it was aiding um they're like uh, they did like a ds a 3ds eShop shop game with nintendo um I forget what I think they've done worked on fighting games, but like they did a lot of the, the port work on Pikmin three deluxe.
1: Okay. So not them. Um, origami King was intelligence systems. Yep. Xenoblade definitive edition. Was that 2021? Or was that?
0: 2020? Um, well, regardless, I mean, Xeno, Xeno, well, I guess it depends on what we count as internal. Uh, yeah, Xenoblade definitive Monolith. edition was Monolith, but they are wholly owned. But if we're talking about Nintendo EPD. Yeah. Like, like uh, what games out of there? Uh, Well, here I I will give you. I will give you the number and see if you can guess the games. Twenty twenty three games, three games, at least according to this Wikipedia page. That I think is right, but there might be one that's that's not here that should be here.
1: Let me take a look at Nintendo twenty twenty. Okay,
0: so New Horizons. That's got to be it. Yep, New New Horizons is one of them.
1: Uh, Super Mario three D All Stars was that. That's two.
0: That's two. <laughs> oh
1: that's horrible if that's like a third of their their output oh, for that oh year. just wait
0: until they get to the third game it's not better than that
1: uh, um oh god uh
0: not pikmin 3 deluxe it is a free download only game
1: I'm trying to think uh mario 35
0: uh jump rope challenge <laughs> jump rope
1: challenge I, th- I think kidding. mario
0: 35 was was Eureka? I think. I know they did. I think Arika did Tetris 99 at least. Yeah,
1: no, I believe, yeah, it's I, it was, when you said download-only yeah. game, I thought gotta be maybe more. I mean, it's not advanced.
0: even actually, like, look at it, this is, this is hilarious. 2021, what the hell? What a big year. Five whole games. Wow. Because <laughs> um, even, like, like I'm looking at this, I mean, 2017 was a hell of a year. Um, I mean, that's because uh, a lot of that's probably just because the launch the launch year games, they had a lot of time to plan for that.
1: Well, there's a lot of like drought years ahead of that year in order to make up for it. Like yeah. 2015 and 2016 were atrocious.
0: Um although even 2016 is a good amount of game, like the the list for 2016 although some of the... Yeah, this is where I get into whether or not this the, this Wikipedia list is accurate cuz Twilight Princess HD is there but that was That's Tantalus, that, right? Yeah, that was done by Tantalus. Um Tomo, <laughs> um Star Fox Zero and Guard which was done with um, platinum, platinum games, yeah. but I do think that 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 was a case where the I believe platinum was doing more asset generation than anything else. Metopia, which I think the 3DS game was internal, and then the the Switch port was done by Grezzo. Mario Maker 3DS, Super Mario Run, Tank Troopers, which that was another one that was done by Vite. Yeah, I don't I, I don't totally trust this list, but yeah i mean like just going over internally de- what are the two internally developed games that we know about in 2022
1: there are only about. two
0: there are only two so i mean it's just basically like there could be something announced that comes out at the end of the year so it's not a definitive list but that one of them is out one of them is not
1: okay um shoot this list isn't helpful because <laughs> everything i'm looking at here is like xenoblade 3 that's monolith uh switch sports Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's one other one.
0: That is not out yet.
1: That's not out yet. Do we do we, can you give me a month of when it's gonna come out? Is it
0: September? Uh, yes. two and 3. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. I
0: don't know. This is that's a sobering. All this is a sobering game. And I, then I, I almost wanna like I feel like there's the comparison to see like how many Koei Tecmo games <laughs> came out. <laughs> Because we definitely are. Koei
1: Tecmo versus EPD. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Koei Tecmo, I mean, already has three hopes, and that's without (laughs) me thinking any harder.
1: (laughs) I mean, just like Square Enix, Switch exclusives, that's a triangle strategy. Um, uh, What's the other one? Live Alive and Harvestella. Is Harvestella coming to other consoles? Harvestella,
0: I don't think is Nintendo published. Okay. Although I, I do, I forget. I think that's Switch exclusive. Yeah, just like they're a treehouse,
1: so I it, for whatever reason. That, I think I think I me, think it
0: is a I think it is a Switch console exclusive, but I believe Square Enix is publishing that.
1: Okay, it does say platforms Nintendo Switch and Microsoft Windows. So oh, okay,
0: yeah, yeah, so it's a console exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, looking at the list of other games out this year, um, okay, no, no, no uh, EPD might win the day. Uh, you do, well, actually. I mean, technically, they're tied with Square Enix because triangle strategy and live alive yeah but three hopes three hopes is Koei tecmo going back to 2020 did
1: who made uh the the classic games 50 classic games or clubhouse games
0: um that might have been i think that might have been done by another company but that could have been internal um oh nd, ND cube. cube okay yeah you they your good old they make your mario fun party. mario party fellows. well
1: mm-hmm. oh, they also did Wii party
0: yeah we party's great it's one of my i think until superstars Wii party was my favorite party game of the past like 10 to 15 years
1: oh there was a Wii party you i didn't even realize that
0: no we Party we actually no. specifically we party you is my favorite okay. favorite Wii party um yeah mario kart live was villain <laughs> it's so it's it's really sobering looking looking at that sometimes and it's, yeah i mean some of that's the nature of game development and it's not like nintendo's not doing anything it's there's a lot of support and there's a it allows for them to have that more iteration.
1: No, I agree. I think it's a it's a smart strategy for a company like Nintendo, which is like if you consider them as part of the the big three video game uh uh console makers, like they're a pretty small company, so this is a good way for them to compete um and not have too long of a drought. But yeah, it is sobering. Is very sobering, especially when you consider that the sequel to Breath of the Wild has probably the longest development time of any <laughs> 3D Zelda game at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, because what well, I mean, let's let's give it. Let's say it started development in 2018, because um, they mm-hmm. finished the DLC at the end of 2017. So we're looking at yeah, it'll be it'll be approximately five years, whereas what I mean, Ocarina of Time definitely did not have that long of a development. Well, I mean, I when did i mean ocarina of time has the gap but i don't think it started development until like 95 or something 94 maybe
1: yeah i mean miyamoto couldn't have been working on that game in mars 64 at yeah. the exact same time yeah
0: like that's one of those weird things where like because it's like shared technology yeah um but like yeah wind waker wind waker majora's mask those were both a couple of years twilight princess even with that quote unquote big gap that's four years between japanese release and because it was it came out at the end of uh 2002 and then twilight princess was 2006 um skyward sword skyward sword there was a big gap so so breath of the wild 2 is kind of hitting up against the skyward sword line but that was another game where i don't know if that necessarily was like in development you know january 2007 uh there's always, it's always weird because you don't know what kind of iteration they went. And it seems like with Skyward Sword, they probably didn't settle on some of those specific motions until Wii Sports Resort and Wii Motion Plus. Well, if we're talking about like like just
1: the, the raw amount of time between each release, yeah. This has been the longest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it will be by the time it comes out. Well, Breath of the Wild after Skyward Sword, because Skyward Sword was six and a half, five and a half years. Uh and then this Scarlet one this, was
1: November 11th 2011,
0: 2011 and then tw- March 2017. Yeah. So It's a little under 6 years. Yeah. A little little over five years really. Yeah, and then I mean if uh whatchamacallit well I guess yeah. God, 6 years since was That's like at best case scenario is 6 mm-hmm. years after Breath of the Wild. We'll get an, we'll get the next Zelda game. Yep. And hey, maybe six years after Mario Odyssey we'll get a new three d Mario
1: maybe ten years after Mario Kart eight we'll get a new <laughs> Mario Kart
0: <laughs> It's I mean, but they're doing well like <laughs> they don't they don't need to to rush. It's a good spot to be in for them is tour internally developed? uh, that's another one where Bandai Namco helps out a lot, but tour uh the director of tour is Kosuke Yabuki, um who is the director of Eight and also the director of arms that's uh, right but I, yes that's but I, I as far as i know with Tor, and i don't know if this is like crystal clear um i think bandai namco is doing development on a lot of like the day-to-day stuff i think but i'm not totally sure but like i know like i i don't think the internal team working on tour has you know necessarily fully moved on from tour like i think they're still involved it's just that I think some like I think the new courses might be done by Nintendo, but I think the the day to day stuff might be by more of like a a steady team as opposed to like the the big shots.
1: All I'm saying is that if this was EPD World Report, we would only be active like three
0: or four times a year. <laughs> <be> very slow <laughs> days. Yeah. Um. One game, one game not coming out as, as we're now a half an hour in. And I guess we kind of talked about Sakurai's YouTube channel and then a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. um let's get to our second topic which is kirby's dream buffet (laughs) which is a game uh made by i forgot i I forgot to check to see if anybody else other than the how labs is working on it because i think like vanpool has worked on some of the other kirby eShop games but i've i've not i've not checked that out um people people write in about who who developed this game because i i did not do my homework on that one but i have been playing kirby's dream buffet and it is uh it is a (laughs) it's Gonna sound like a I'm dragging it, which maybe I am. It's a pretty dumb game that is really fun to play with a four year old. That seems to be like the ideal
1: situation to play that game.
0: Yeah, like it's it clicked with me where so I I downloaded this game. I was uh, I mean part of the reason why we didn't record last week was I was away on vacation, um and I had this game like I like pre preloaded it and stuff so that way you know I'd just be able to connect to you know hotel Wi-Fi, and then um and then just be able to play it um when it came out and i was like all right i'll like boot it up make sure like like kind of just get it so that way if my son wants to play we can just hop in and play and i like did around um i did it locally because the the wi-fi at the hotel was not good enough to do what i tried it did not work mm.
1: does it allow for two players or was it like yeah yeah so there two is it is, it is you
0: can do um local on like two player split screen okay um but i like played through a run and i'm like okay this is kind of dumb but like you know it's enjoyable you're doing these races then there's some mini games um i like, it's cute and i got bored with it like after i did it twice and i was like i don't and maybe this is bad and then i played it with my son and he had a ball <laughs> <laughs> like like wound up just like, like we did some some two-player um, and he had fun with that, and then, like he was just playing it by himself, and like I think he he won once, um but he had he just like giggled and laughed and like collected fruit and you know used the different power ups on the the other Kirbys that he was fighting against, and like it seems like it succeeds as being that like here play with this toy, um there's a lot of stuff to unlock, you can you know deck out your kirby, um there's different mini games that unlock like it's very cute it's just that coming off of forgotten land like if you were if you played forgotten land as as an adult like a lot of us did and you're like all right let's go new new kirby game you're gonna play dream buffet and probably be like what happened (laughs) like forgotten land was brilliant like this is this is okay i guess um and i don't like like i don't I, i i struggle to call kirby's dream buffet bad but it's definitely not something that I would say like everybody needs to go out and play. Um it's definitely it
1: $15. Is...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like there's a there's like I think like 100 levels to go through as far as like unlocking stuff and like yeah, a lot of them are cosmetic. But I also I like I've talked to like other other, you know, uh gamer dads um who have been playing this with their kids and like they're all having a blast. Um and like the fact that it has it's it's the kind of weird thing where like it has free to play mechanics, but it's not a free to play game. So it has that idea of like, like the way you level up and unlock stuff. It's kind of like a battle pass, but it's a $15 mm. game where you don't need to pay any more money. Um, it has an online mode that yes, you need to have an online subscription and stuff, but it's not like there's a pay to win model there. There's a, there's a play to win. Although even that, I don't think it's not like any of the cosmetics, like give you more powers. It just, you look different kirby kirby wears has a burger hat i like that but like and it's super cute like it's
1: it looks nice <laughs> do you unlock just cosmetic stuff or are there also because you said like you unlock minigames as well
0: yes so there is basically the way it works is that there's like three mode there's kind of like a, a standard race i believe where it'll just be four kirby's racing and if you're doing mm-hmm. any kind of four player thing, like if you're playing it online, like it'll be four Kirby's racing and you want to collect fruit. The first one to get to the finish line will get like an extra bonus of fruit. Um, and like those are, I, I I, don't think they're like truly procedurally generated. I think it kind of like rotates between a number of designs. Then okay. the second round will be a mini game. Um, and the mini games, like they're usually it's just like some of it's just not like there's fruit that's going to fall, collect the fruit. Um, but those you do unlock as you play um and it doesn't like I'm only at like level fifteen or twenty, so I still have a a long way to go to see what all the unlocks are and it only shows you like the next like five to ten unlocks ahead of you um and so it's basically like that'll be randomly selected. You can play all these mini games like just separately like a like a Mario party game where you know you can just go play a mini game just the mini game by itself if you wanted to right then there is a third race. That this race is, if you saw the trailer, where there's just like a shitload of Waddle Day, um, that's this one. is like It's like the bigger race. And then there's a final battle royale, which I like that they use that ter- terminology, where that's when it's like you're knocking the other Kirbys off of, like you're basically, it's a, it's a Kirby ball fight. Um, and then that's like when you knock a Kirby off, you get some of their fruit or they drop their fruit. And then the one with the most fruit at the end wins. The fattest Kirby wins the day
1: and all four participants play in all four of yes the, or yeah. i guess four or five rounds yeah. which
0: i have not um as a, as of recording i've not played this online yet um i've gotcha. just played it locally
1: is there like a ranking system or or some sort of way to keep you engaged in the online or is it just hey play I,
0: I believe there's there is a player rank like um a lot of nintendo games use this where it's basically like you start with like a score like 1500 yeah. And if you lose a lot, you'll go down. If you win a lot, you'll go higher.
1: Global smash power.
0: Yeah, yeah. GSP. It's, something, it's something like that.
1: Cool. Should I bully the stream team into playing this game?
0: Um, let me double check if you can do a match with friends. Oh. That because sounds I like a bad question to hear. I think you can. Okay. i think you can but i'm not 100 sure i'd have to go on and, and check out for myself if i can then yes I, I would i would bully people to do that cool um it does the look one cute thing, yeah the one thing that i'll point out that uh did not bother me um but one of one of one of my game actually a uh, former former connectivity host nathan Mustafa, i was talking to to him about he was playing it with his daughter that the like the second player when you're doing local two-player Um, the first player can customize the look of their kirby all they want second player cannot Mm. Um, so that's good that's disappointing do they have limited
1: options or like no options
0: i think they can change colors and that's it whereas if you the first player unlocks more colors and then also like kirby can have a burger on his head
1: it's important for my kirby to have a burger on its head yeah kirby there are more more colors than just the traditional four that one we typically of them one, yeah.
0: one of them one of them is burger brown
1: <laughs> burger brown
0: yep <laughs> that's awesome uh yeah but it, like it's it is what it is it's a cute little game i'm not not going to be at the top of my game of the year list but definitely i've honestly i might play it more than i did mario strikers <laughs> something i put like 40 hours in the mario strikers are I you I, i'm curious are you still playing mario strikers
1: no i'm not um okay. I played maybe a couple extra hours once they had that announcement with the uh, Daisy and shy guy and yeah. I'll probably go back again. But yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I devoured that game for a couple of weeks and I'm probably I'll, I'll you know, return to it on occasion. But
0: yeah, I th- I think I wound up putting like five to 10 hours into it, which I mean, I, I, you know, I bag on it a little bit more because I think there's, there's things that are lacking in that game. Um, I just, I wish, I wish I wanted to play it more. I mm-hmm. just don't see a lot of reason outside of when when my kids like yell yeah, let's play mario soccer because i did i did actually boot it up and played some games with daisy and shy guy Um starting to get my strats for how I, how i would build up shy guy and daisy if there was really any reason to engage further with that online mode
1: yeah and um i am still upset that that there's no a uh, four player on yeah. one team online yeah. like
0: that it's really, really kind of kills it for me yep like I feel like there was a lot more potential with that game, and they just fell short across the board, whether it's the online experience or the offline experience.
1: Yep, I won't deny it. I really like that game's mechanics, but it's yeah, it's missing some stuff for
0: sure. And I and I do, and and uh, from a pickup pick up and play perspective. Although I mean, it'd be uh, not that this is really. I think it's a maybe a problem with every Mario Strikers game is that there's. Uh, I tried playing it with a friend of mine who you you really play it and yeah it's it's impossible like there's so many fiddly parts of it yep that it does not work as a pickup and play multiplayer and like so once again like there's there's another thing where it kind of kills it a little bit um the fundamentals are really good it's it's just a lot of the other things are are rough
1: yeah it requires skill which is both what i love about it and also makes it kind of awful like in a party setting where you just want to play a bunch with your friends who may have just picked it up for the first time. Like yeah. they won't be able to, to really even hold a candle to you if you're playing in a versus capacity.
0: Um, all right. So that's Kirby's dream buffet. Um, as we mentioned at the start of the show, Gamescom is going on. You were in a Xenoblade Chronicles three hole, which mm-hmm. is, a, is a great place to go. That game's very good. It's
1: fantastic. I don't want to leave.
0: Is there anything from Gamescom that caught your fancy?
1: Uh, Sonic Frontier still looks bad.
0: So I accept my fate uh, going back to why I'm probably going to play more dream buffet than anything else. Um, I, I just accept my fate that I'm going to play a lot of Sonic Frontiers because of my child who I think I've seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movie twice this week so far. Um, oh, still. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> there was a long gap and then he got back on it. I think partially because I did have, like, I found like a cheap Sonic toy. It, it I don't even know when it's from, but it looks like Sonic Adventure era Sonic and he's got a snowboard and he found that toy again and then has been into Sonic. It is. And it also uh, my wife got him a very cute Sonic sweatshirt. And then when we were on nice. vacation, some so <laughs> we so like I was at like stand at this resort and there's like a, a pizzeria on site that we were just going in to pick up dinner one night. And I walk in and there's some some girl probably like, I don't know, like could could have been like, you know, somewhere early 20s, something like that just goes like nice shirt. And I was wearing a Zelda shirt. So there was like a thing where I was like, is that to me? And then I looked at the girl and I was like oh no, it's to my boy's Sonic shirt. I know you're kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then like, she was like super sweet where she came over and like talked talk to talk to my son just about like, oh, like, did you know there's a third movie coming out? It's in 2024. To which my son was just like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like you'll be a lot older than we could probably go in theaters. Um, I was like, I, I have known this information. I've been hiding it from you, kid, because I know that there's no use in telling you that a movie that you want to see is coming out in two and a half years. Right. Um, or I guess a year and a is it? No, no, two and a half years. Um I had to think about the passage of time for a minute. But like, yeah, and, and I don't I mean, he was already enjoying wearing that sweatshirt before, but I think the fact that someone came up to him was like, You like Sonic? I do too. Um has definitely emboldened him. What does your son think about Shadow the Hedgehog? Um, he gets really stoked whenever we get to the post-credit scene in, in Sonic 2. Uh spoilers, I guess. And I don't know how he how he knows that it's Shadow he, he calls Shadow the hedgehog Shadow Sonic. I never told him this. I don't know where he learned it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> gonna I'm gonna some somehow somehow blame um, I don't know. I'll blame Matt probably. Yeah. I think Matt likes Shadow a lot. Uh but yeah, and like I actually did get the crappy Sonic game that came out the other, It was like on it was like $10 on sale, but we haven't played that yet. Uh but we have played like Sonic Origins as buggy as it is and he's really been into uh mario and sonic at the olympic games which honestly that game's not bad it's pretty fun
1: can you do me a favor can you send me your uh my character from sonic forces and your sons i when we get to it i will okay cool (laughs) i want to see which one of you has the gamer hat
0: (laughs) I'm actually like in a, in a, this game is going to be terrible, but I'll probably laugh a lot because I'll be playing it with my kid. I'm looking forward to playing Sonic forces at some point. And honestly, just because of the fact that like my, my wife got really into breath of the wild and I don't think Sonic frontiers looks good, but it seems like, like from the perspective of, I think I'll, I'll, I will enjoy this being a thing that is uh, like a Stockholm syndrome part of my life because of my child. Mm-hmm. um i think i will have fun with it much of i'm the fact curious that, about
1: that game for sure i, I but i, I don't want to play it i just want to see like other people experience it
0: maybe i'll uh i'll get my kid to just like relay me some thoughts about like what do you want the world to know about this video game
1: yes eventually like that
0: seal is going to be broken when that kid starts doing reviews here <laughs> <laughs> trying to try to keep that keep that pandora's box in as long as i can he's already i mean he's helped in the past um, Parkosaurus. This is a pretty cool Switch eShop game. I recommend it. So does my kid. Is your son conscious?
1: Like that you own and run a a website
0: that no, video I games? did. I did point out to him in a target when the Pokemon Legends Arceus accolades video came up that I was like, "That's me," and he just stared at me blankly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He has no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of thing that like I've talked about people with, where I'm like, is he gonna think this is cool? He's like, no, he's just gonna think this is normal. Yeah, he's gonna find it weird. But it's like, what? Your your dad doesn't own a video game website too? He doesn't get early codes. <laughs> you you mean you mean I like I mean that was like Bowser's Fury. Like that's the thing. Like I I mean that mother. Like, he was definitely way too young to really. Realized that but i was like with bowser fury like i was just like this is kind of neat that like my two-year-old is playing this game like two weeks before it came out yeah um your son
1: played it before justin
0: did <laughs> uh, but <laughs> like honestly like I yeah i'm unless i hear that sonic frontiers is like in, incomprehensible trash i'm excited to play it i don't think it's gonna be good it'd be really cool if it was like, I hope there is, a, I hope there is like an earnest like conversation of like Sonic Frontiers might actually be good. That would be, that would be a fun thing to happen. Um, or, or what we call in the biz, the anti Balin Wonder World.
1: I, I'm living in a win win situation here where like if it's bad, then I will enjoy the content that oozes out of the Sonic Frontiers, uh, trash fire. Uh, but if it's, if it's good, then like, yeah, that's great. I would love more games that like look and feel and play like breath of the wild to
0: to do well and be better than immortals which i did not like um i thought about that i think that was on like a deep because ubisoft games just basically cycle on what one's on a deep sale on switch and i thought about it um because i w- i wanted to like immortals but i think they had oh that i think it was like did they have like a free stadia demo or something because i think that was when i got like my free stadia controller from from Verizon. Um, and I think I played through the Immortals demo and was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, I never want to play this again. I've thought about it multiple
1: times, but I know that I'll just like pick it up and maybe play a couple hours and put it away. I'm, I'm waiting for the Epic Game Store like freebie version of that game to come out.
0: Yeah, or like have it go up on Game Pass or something. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things like I look at a game like that and I'm just like, I mean, I could just replay Breath of the Wild. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, I'm already like planning on on playing Breath of the Wild. Obviously, we're doing it for the game club, but I've already have an idea of like what I want to do when I go back to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I've had I only I mean, I I played it back for review um, and I've had two other attempts at a replay. One where I because I went for Breath of the Wild. Initially, I kind of did what I what I believe is the critical path. And Mm -hmm. fight me if you disagree with me. It's it's going going to Kakariko and then from there, like Zora. Zora Zora Mm -hmm. is is the it like it's it's to me it's very deliberately designed that like this is the way you should go. But there are points where like then then after Zora, you're probably gonna go to Goron because that's the closest, but you could also be like, Oh no, I'm gonna go over here, but like path of least resistance is to do this this chain of events.
1: I think I went Zora, Rito, Gerudo,
0: then Goron. Okay yeah yeah that's i mean i definitely i think that zora one is the one point that i would like that that seems purposeful after that it gets it gets fuzzy but Mm -hmm. i my second playthrough i went went to rito first because i wanted to get the 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 power up that you get for that of being able to just like pop up in the air
1: Rivali's gale
0: yes absolutely and then my most recent playthrough which i didn't do for that long um I wound up just exploring everywhere except for progressing <laughs> the, the the divine beasts. <laughs> like I think I had like forty shrines <laughs> of not actually going to any of the towns.
1: Uh, that game is like my favorite game of all time, and yet I still haven't beaten the Champions' Ballad DLC for it.
0: Well, I, I the issue where I lost my initial save, so I've got I, I watched my wife play through that because that's that's what happened. Is that because of my i've referenced i know i referenced it um when we talked about splatoon the other week because i also lost my splatoon 2 save um but i lost my breath of the wild save like my by my, my launch one with like 70 80 maybe 100 hours into it um so how do you when, lose a
1: switch save
0: because my switch died
1: and you can't wasn't no this like was 2017
0: cloud save oh no yeah so it was pre-cloud saves and even i mean my splatoon 2 save was screwed regardless um because mm-hmm. that game does not have cloud saves but yeah, so I lost, I lost, And like, there's like things that, like, games that I was halfway through that I'm just like, oh, I'm not going back. Like, that stif- it actually stifled my Mario and Rabbids playthrough, because I, like, put a couple hours into it, and I switched out, it's like, damn it. You should go um, back to it. Um, I, I, that's one where usually it gets distracted by the kid, uh, but yeah. I really want to play that Donkey Kong DLC, because I've heard that's very good.
1: Yeah, I got that recently for, like, five bucks.
0: Yep, that's what I wound up, I have the game. Um, and it was cheaper to just buy the gold edition as opposed to buying the TLC separately. Nice. Yeah,
1: those Ubisoft sales are, are very nice.
0: Yeah. Um, anything I else from Gamescom? Gamescom? Yeah, yeah, Gamescom. Uh, uh, Dorf Romantic. Uh, that's a game that everybody says Dorf Romantic's really cool. It's coming to Switch at the end of September, and I will play it because it does look very cool. A very chill, like, city-building game. Sounds fun. It
1: says tile-based strategy in the the news article
0: yeah but it's not yeah. tiny strategy
1: tiny strategy what's this the strategic element
0: um it's probably the way that you place the tiles um to make your your town or village or something that is like like i'm trying to think of a comparable game where it's just that like i have purposefully not looked that much into it i just heard the name and people were like it's incredible and i'm like okay when it comes to switch up attention <laughs> and sure enough it's coming to switch it's like slay Sl- slay the spire that was that was mm-hmm. one where like people were like this game's like the truth and i'm like all right when it comes to switch i'll pay attention it and is it's think.
1: hard but it's just pretty hard
0: yeah no that that game is the truth i think it's one. i think it's the best deck building roguelike of all time um and i don't think anything will ever top it uh but um it, it is it is very hard i've never i've never beaten it i think i made it was there like three i think there's like three levels in that and i think i made it to the third level with one of the characters once and felt very good about myself.
1: Okay, so this is like very European aesthetic, plus the tiles makes me think this is like a Catan kind of game.
0: Yeah, it gives me Carcassonne vibes, which makes delights me.
1: Mm, Not played Carcassonne.
0: If you ever come to Jersey, because I'm not bringing the big box with me down to Texas, um, you should play some Carcassonne. It's a fun game.
1: Cool. Uh, As far as other Gamescom stuff, the only thing that really stood out to me was uh, another tabletop-inspired kind of game, um, Moonbreaker. Mostly because it's like a, it's a it's a strategy kind of like tactical game and it's being written by Brandon Sanderson. And I'm not sure if any of these like because this happened quite a few times where they'll bring in a fantasy author to. And it happened
0: literally this year with George yeah, R. R. Martin. George R.R. Martin. Elden like it's, Ring.
1: it's like how much of that influence really ends up in the final product. I'm not sure. But I am interested enough to pay attention and like put it on my Steam wish list.
0: Yeah, no I mean I think that game looks super neat. It's so it's and it's being developed by Unknown Worlds who did uh Subnautica, which those games came to switch. What was that like a year or two ago. But but yeah, I mean Moonbreaker Moonbreaker looks super cool. One like I just I think there's it has a lot of interesting things going on on with it that m- will make me pay attention. Like the Brandon Sanderson thing, like I don't know how that'll pan out, but it's interesting. Um that lore could be really cool. Maybe the story's really good. I I don't know but it does like the the cute like miniatures that you paint in the game <laughs> and you use them for like goofy battles and how there is a lot of there was the the, the talk um i because i watched the, the the keely presentation where the director came out and like made the comment about like you're kind of putting your team together and like everybody's super unique yeah um everybody's very distinct and like like i, I think there was i forget what the exact comment was but it was something about just like how like each one of these characters, if used the right way, could break the game. And it's a lot of that talk. Like, that that seems really fun. Like, if they execute on that idea. And it's also just, like, the fact that, like, how customizable it is and that, like, you paint this. It's it's just taking a lot of the really cool elements of, of playing with miniatures, which is, is something that I've, like, dabbled in but never gone full-born. It, it is not the hobby that I can get into. I have bad, fine motor skills. But I just... I really i really like the style of that game and hopefully it'll come to something that i well actually i think it's like coming to steam early access very very soon and by the time it comes to steam early access i might have a steam deck so <laughs> maybe i'll just be playing moonbreaker on my steam yeah, deck when it comes hopefully out
1: it runs out runs on that yeah if it comes to switch i demand
0: touchscreen support i mean it's something that like yeah i'm gonna keep an eye on this and i'd yeah, realizing that. So, so with with the Steam Deck, like I pre-ordered it humorously. It, if if you follow me on Twitter, sometime in June, I think I made some comment about how like the Steam Deck is way more expensive than the Switch, and blah 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 blah. And then I was like, I should throw it out a pre-order for Steam Deck. So I did back in June, expecting that like, okay, I'll get this sometime in 2023. And then Valve, like a month or so ago, was like, oh, like we're gonna be able to ramp up production, and. I, like, according to some of, like, the, the fan-made charts using a lot of data, um, I might get mine in September or October. Um, it's kind of seeing how well their production pipeline goes. Um, I think, at, well, I'm I'm in a group that I will definitely have it by the end of the year, but it might be a lot sooner than that.
1: Meanwhile, I'm still waiting on my analog pocket that I ordered in December. Oh.
0: Do yeah. they have a timeline for that, or?
1: Uh, Q4 okay. is when my group's supposed to get it
0: yeah that's and i around the I, corner i love my analog pocket and my and i got an analog super nt the other year too um that company seems like a pain in the ass to deal with when it comes to pre-orders
1: yeah and they're just very light on communication
0: yeah like that's what like i had that and the play date kind of going with pre-orders at the same time and the i mean also i mean the play date communications were twee as fuck which that's what the play date is (laughs) um but like they were like very clear as to like here's why this got delayed like we're not going to promise an exact time frame until we have an exact time frame or like because i know like i think it was supposed to be out by the end of the year but then they had like this battery issue where like the batteries i think were like expanding or something like that but they were very clear about like we would have been ready in time but um, and mm-hmm. I, I just appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Whereas analog is just kind of like eh, soon.
1: Yeah, no, that's once like when they hear from God and the prophet comes down from the high tower in order to tell you that you have an update on when your yeah when your analog pockets supposed to come in. It's I, I've had like notifications set on for analog pocket just so I know for the for analogs Twitter, just so that I know, like if they do say anything. And most of the time, it's just them posting gifs of games. Uh, um, yeah, Gamescom. Gamescom. I guess it. You know, kind of neat. But it's happening. It's happening. It's uh the Venn diagram of like things that I care about and the stuff that gets shown off at Gamescom, or that really the stuff that gets shown off at like Keeley's presentation is just. Yeah. Not, not really. No, like me.
0: I. It was partially because I was, uh, you know, you know, I'm a Nintendo fan, hungry for a direct, but. Like I was kind of excited for the the Summer Games Fest, like the Summer Games Fest kickoff or whatever the fuck it is. I was kind of excited for that, and like I just like as it went on, and it's it's weird because I do look at that and that like there are things that were announced in that like Neon White's one of my favorite games of the year. So is the Turtles game. They both got release dates at that, but like I think what I think the, I think the one in June was like three hours long, yeah. like i probably cared about 20 minutes of it and like i do i am glad that when i am paying attention to these it's usually like i'm doing something else and it's just in another screen because if i was just like i just think about how they were charging 20 bucks to go see the keely summer games fest thing in imax theaters i i would have rioted if i went and was like that's it there were four space games in a row I can't well, even get to tell see you what the Dwayne names the rock
1: are. Johnson talk about black Adam and Zoe yeah. energy for five minutes.
0: Yeah. On his, on his camera uh, phone. Like
1: <laughs> on IMAX. I mean, <sighs> I wish I paid for the 20 bucks to see that.
0: Yeah. I would have laughed. Um, I thought about it, but, uh, I'm glad I didn't just more for the, like the experience of it. Cause I thought it was going to be like, Sony's done stuff like that where you can just like get a free ticket because it's marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even though Keely's dad is like the president of IMAX, couldn't do that for free. But yeah, I think that's that's Gamescom. We do have that's one Gamescom. thing of a um by the time you hear this, it will have already happened, but Nintendo does have a Tree House live uh two segments on Splatoon 3 of a single player segment and then a multiplayer segment for the, the Splatfest demo on Saturday and then uh some stuff on Harvestella, the, the Square Enix attempt at Rune Factory, which I I'm, I'm actually curious to see the Harvestella stuff because I really don't know what to think of that game.
1: Yeah, no. I'm, I want to watch that that treehouse. I honestly, I really want to demo because I'm not sure if I want to commit to playing it. But yeah. I do, I do want to kind of like just see how it plays compared to Rune Factory Five, uh, a game I infamously
0: hate. Um, yeah. and I was gonna say, especially you, I would feel very, very sus about a game that's like it's like Rune Factory.
1: Well. <laughs> I don't hate the idea. I just the execution was. I also, all, I mean, uh, I,
0: I I think that from what I've seen of Rune Factory Five, it seems like they had a hard time making that game. <laughs> like, just,
1: <laughs> I bet. Yeah, no, it kind of does feel like a, a game made by a uh, not mobile market, but like a, a handheld market dev team working yeah. on a what's supposed yeah. to be somewhat of a double A console
0: release. Yep. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope Harvestella's is cool. Like, I'm looking forward to that part probably more than the Splatoon things.
1: Though if it is like really, really good, I'd almost feel bad for Marvelous because it's it's Square just absolutely stealing your thunder because it is so much like, at least from the description, it is so much like Rune Factory. Yeah. Down to how the seasons work and everything.
0: Yep, Yeah, I'm I'm looking looking forward to that. Are you going to play the Splatoon Splatfest on Saturday?
1: Hopefully I will be streaming it. That's the the idea, at least. Um, We're kind of working around my schedule because I have something going on that evening, but we might be able to play some in the morning if we can do a different region. Cool, cool, cool. Morning or early afternoon. Um, Yeah, that might be the most I ever play Splatoon 3. We'll see.
0: I like, so we had, we had our preview go up um, that uh, Adam, Adam Abu Nasser, uh, formerly a host on Connectivity, thankfully, because it happened to be when I was away. I think matt couldn't get out of work from our from our uh our new york area contingent of nwr people um unfortunately jared lives in california now he used to he was our guy in the city but uh but yeah adam adam went to the demo and i mean his, his previews fine um and he just he did send a note along pretty sensitive for editing being like i feel nothing <laughs> like, um it like it just it it seemed like i, I I want to be proven wrong, but it just seems like a very by the book sequel. And that might be a very good game. I just don't know if I want to play it. And I mean, the last episode of the show, we talked about this at at length because it was freshly off the direct. But just thinking about over the next two weeks, like I believe my comment on that episode was I'm still going to buy it anyway. And especially after, you know, seeing what came out of that demo and seeing like, okay, yeah, there wasn't really any surprises i'm now just sitting here like do i even because i'm not gonna where i'm at in my life i'm probably not gonna play this online as much as i would have splatoon one or two the single player seems like diminishing returns i do really like salmon run but unless like i've got a couple people to play salmon run with i'm not gonna play it
1: yeah that's i feel very similar um if there was like a, a large contingent of people at NWR who are very hyped to play this game and play it together, I would probably be on board because I think Splatoon is a very fun concept. But if, if it's just running off of my personal hype for this game, then it's, it's not going to last. So yeah. I, I might skip, but I'm, I'm very curious to see how the demo plays out on Saturday.
0: Yeah. I like, maybe it'll rekindle something. Um, yeah. And like, I'll get back into it because like, I think about like the Splatoon one and even the, like the, the first month or two with Splatoon two, like that was electric. Like mm-hmm. I, it's one of those things where like there's every now and then you play a game and you're like, Oh God, this, this is the future. And I remember like playing Splatoon one and feeling that and like how that game felt. And unfortunately they basically made the same game three times. Yeah. We do have some listener mail about Splatoon to brighten your day.
1: Sherry Goblin
0: says, hey, Connectivity, one thing you didn't discuss from the direct is the new idol group for the game, Deep Cut. What are your thoughts on their designs? Is Big Man the new goat? To be honest, Fry's design startled me at first. Regarding hype for Splatoon 3, I am ready to dip back into this universe and see what is added to the lore. Get it? Dip is dipping into ink. I'll see myself out. Thanks and keep up the good work.
1: Nice pun there.
0: What do you think about (laughs) idols, Neil i don't care (laughs) (laughs) um it's the kind of because what is callie callie and marie for the first two and then and then um
1: (laughs) marina and pearl from yeah
0: yeah off the hook and now we have um shiver and oh my god fry and big man yeah i do like big man like the big man the big man swerve is probably uh where where they they don't lose me
1: and but, I do uh, like the the wrinkle that it adds to uh, Splatfest, where it's now there's three options. Yep, I do appreciate that. Which
0: that is, I'm excited to see how that plays out in the in the Splatfest. Which I think I'm going to try to at least hop in for a little bit. Uh, it depends on what my Saturday is. Um, I hate that it's only one day. It'd be cool if that was like a, a full weekend. Yeah, but so uh, rock
1: paper or scissors. What are you going with?
0: I have not. I should make that decision because you can like go in now and do it right and like pick your side. My heart just tells me to pick whatever Big Man says. Yeah, maybe I'll just go with Big Man. Big Man will be my man.
1: Um, I I don't really care for, like, idol culture in the real world, so I've never really cared for the idols in Splatoon. If anything, they are annoying because you have to sit through their presentations every time you boot up the game. But that's gone.
0: In Splatoon 3, that's gone. Yeah. Like, I'm stoked. I don't want to hear them anymore.
1: Yeah, and I'll agree. Like Fry's forehead is like really weird, but like if I don't have to look at it and I can just play the game, then maybe maybe Deep Cut's the best version
0: of items. <laughs> like big big man is great. Like give me the big man amiibo.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told be... myself I would never collect Amiibo ever again, but maybe if they release really Big you Man, you have to make out. Big
0: Man like the size of like yeah. Detective Pikachu.
1: No, it, it, exactly. It has to be like the um the Zelda Skyward Sword Amiibo, yeah. where it's like extra big.
0: <laughs> I mean, he is Big Man after all. He is Big Man, biggest of men. Um, so that might be about it. and Some other things, but we we went on for a lot longer on other topics than be expected. So maybe we'll just move in to uh, to close this out. Uh, if you don't want any spoilers on Xenoblade three through chapter four. Nice. Nice seeing you. Because uh, then Alex and I are going to talk about Xenoblade three. We're both in chapter four.
1: Yay. New bonus Xenoblade segment. Let's go.
0: Um, but before we get there, uh, if you want to write in other listener mail, send an email to connectivity at Nintendo dot com. You can hit us up on Twitter at connectivity NWR. Uh, thank you very much for listening and next week. I don't know we'll do something uh we need to set a Wind Waker HD date at some point it'll probably be in late September I don't think anybody's playing it we're all playing Xenoblade 3. (laughs) yeah we're all playing Xenoblade 3 or I don't know what John's excuse is he should have he should be done with Xenoblade 3 now I think
1: he's playing Pac-Man right
0: yeah he is playing Pac-Man which I mean that's probably what we'll talk about next week but until then um you know but, but, but I forget what the Splatoon things say uh, stay fresh. Stay fresh.
1: This was made possible by our generous supporters on Patreon. Check out patreon.com nwr for all the details.
0: Xenoblade time. Xenoblade time. Um, this game is the truth.
1: <laughs> it is incredible. It's it's so weird, like, because, you know, recalling everything that I've said on this podcast about Xenoblade 1, about the things that didn't hit it for me, um, Xenoblade 3, it's not fixing, but it's like it's giving me everything that I wanted out of Xenoblade 1, uh, where I have meaty side quests that feel important, that give detail into the world and characters and a a combat system that's gives me a lot of control where I can actually fight something that maybe may be like several levels above me and still have a fighting chance. If I think strategically and I go in with the right setup, having the class system is just something that I like. I am an absolute fan of Uh, it, it. It kind of scratches the same itch as bravely default where, you will get new classes and by leveling up those classes per character will unlock things that you can do with other classes so you can have some synergy going on there. I am very much of a fan, very much a fan of what they're doing with Xenoblade 3, especially in terms of, of combat and gameplay and exploration.
0: It, it feels like there's always something that I can do yes um which and it's and it's like a, a variety of things like cuz there is you know you could critical path it and i feel like if you critical path this game you're missing out on some of the best parts of the game i think like the hero quests are legitimately great and mm-hmm. some of them are are story critical a lot of them aren't um like i i just think like that like all the periphery stuff like it fills in the the themes of the world which is a really like it's not it's it's weird because i I do think with like xenoblade one comparing it to that um is that like i I think like shulk's quest is more optimistic in nature whereas in xenoblade three it's it's like everything around you is just like dealing with the concept of death and i've really liked that broad theming of the entire game and that it's like a lot of ways of of how people are dealing with this this life cycle that they're in and breaking th- free of it and hearing people's different reasons for for why why they're in the spot that they're in like I really like that overall I do think the, the narrative in general is like eh, it's okay um, I think it's kind of a little bit more like I feel like I'm just walking in a direction to walk to a direction. At this yeah, point. it
1: lacks the like that forward momentum that like eye on the prize that Shulk had for the entirety of the story in Xenoblade One. Like
0: I've been, yeah, I've been, I've been going to Sword March for twenty five hours at this point. Yes, um, I forgot why I'm going. It's some dude in the beginning was like, "Go to Sword March," and that's Van where Damme says
1: you got to go <laughs> because he's old and yeah. old
0: people are there. I guess you're like it's the first time they ever saw an old. <laughs> yeah, um, but. But like I like it's it's weird that like I would say Xenoblade One like I love the love the main story and that's probably my least favorite thing so far. Um, it's not that the story's bad; it's just that like I think it's maybe told a little clumsily. Some of the some of the cutscenes are way too long. Mm-hmm. But there's been there's been some impactful moments, and then going to like the combat and the gameplay. Um, it's very much similar combat to Xenoblade Two, but the gotcha crap is gone and i love being able to fiddle with the different things and what i like most about it is that if you don't want to fiddle with gems or specific arts to assign um you you don't have to and you're fine just press y yeah just press y autofill yeah and you won't have the you know the minute customization which uh if you're not i I think we're both in a spot where we're a little over level like i think i'm 45 or 46 and probably like the recommended level for what i'm doing is like mid to high 30s yeah i think Um, we're in the very
1: similar spot um i'm also i can i'm level 44 and probably the very same area so yeah yeah i don't need to worry about customization i just
0: i'll I'll, yeah like i but it's also like i'm not and and maybe and i've had i've had moments where i've had tough boss fights like they're either earlier in the game or with some of the elites, that are the, the elite unique enemies that I've come across. And those, those fights are really thrilling, but I also view it, and I think it's something that is just the way I am with RPGs at this point, is I would much rather, it's, it's probably part of the reason why I love Paper Mario, the Origami King, is because the, the light bulb that I had with Origami King is that battles are kind of pointless, um, except for the good ones and uh a similar light bulb that i had with say final fantasy 7 is that the battles in that game are also pointless <laughs> except for the good ones mm-hmm. um like some of the boss fights like yeah they rule in final fantasy 7 they rule in origami king Those moment to mo- like in final fantasy 7 like it's i'm just mashing buttons to get through random battles in origami king it's a little more complicated because you know you're dealing with a ring system and in xenoblade it's you know i mean xenoblade is also a very passive like random and enc- i mean they're not random encounters you see them but like your your regular battles are usually pretty passive unless you're going against high level enemies yeah and i kind of like being at a level where i don't draw aggro from any of the areas I that i running that. around yeah um, because then it, it lets me explore and it lets me focus on making the times when I do battle more impactful because I'm not doing like I'm not getting bored of the combat system. Um, which is not my favorite combat system in a video game, but it's fine. I enjoy it.
1: I it's definitely my favorite version of well, I guess I haven't played
0: I played a little bit of two. I could hear an argument for twos being better. Really? really? And that is coming from someone who does not like two. I really like classes. There's something about
1: leveling up a class and then having that synergize with another class that That really scratches an itch for me.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, it it is, it is really no knock against Xenoblade 3. And I think I ultimately prefer it. But I'm just, I'm just saying I can, in a lot of the crap that I've slung at Xenoblade 2 over the years, I could actually hear someone being like, I know I actually like the combat in this game more than Xenoblade 3. But what I, what I love about Xenoblade 3 is that once you learn the language and rhythm of the game, the fact that there's seven playable characters on the screen at one time isn't actually that confusing. Like I have an awareness of what each character is, Mm -hmm. what they're doing. Like, Oh, Oh, like that healers in not in a good spot. I got to go bring my defender over there or like for this specific battle, maybe I'm just going to, I'm going to control the healer. So that way I can make sure that the healer doesn't die. And then I'm around for like, okay, like this defender is going to get killed. I'm going to have the healer at the ready to go over there and, and get them back up. Um, I find some of that moment-to-moment strategy really, really good, and I and I definitely do get into rhythm where like I'll just play one character with their their current class, but then I'll get into a tough battle and wind up find my find myself switching between a couple.
1: Yeah, I'll put them back in. Like, there was one battle where I I didn't have enough defenders. Like, it was just everybody was either a healer or an attacker, and that's great when you're just mashing through yeah low level enemies. But uh, for for harder boss battles, you definitely want those defenders and like just making that those quick changes I was able to uh deal with a with a really high level boss and it's really great to like when you get into those intense moments where everybody's on the verge of dying but then you switch to an Ouroboros and keep yourself alive for a little bit longer then you switch out and then you do a chain link uh, a a chain attack that (laughs) does like over half the health worth of damage and and absolutely slaughters a, a boss it's it feels really really good Especially yeah. when you get the hang of those uh, those chain attacks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was definitely like a light bulb moment to uh, actually figuring out the chain attacks and how to best deploy them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's it's a very good game, and I mean we were talking about it before the show where I there's that part of me that just wants to get to the end, but I'm just having such a good time living in this world. Yeah, I have I have no real rush to blow through this game, other than like it'd be fun to talk about it in more detail with you know john matt and jordan when the time comes
1: right and i i agree with you that the the narrative isn't fantastic but i do enjoy spending so much time with the characters and having like those discussion moments or the stuff at camp where yeah it it feels like almost a better version of um final fantasy 15 a game that i didn't love in fact i i I really dislike a lot of final fantasy (laughs) yeah
0: i'm not i'm not a big fan I tried. I've tried multiple times and that was- But I like the idea of like the
1: oh, it's a road trip game where like a lot of the downtime you get to spend with characters and yeah. and Xenoblade three does that quite a bit too, where you'll you'll have like discussions or just like the little animations at camp are are really cute and the game really spends a lot of time on the characters that are not Noah or Mio. And like coming off of Xenoblade one where it was kind of the Shulk show for most of it that feels pretty nice did you wind up reading the interviews
0: that uh nintendo put out around the launch
1: i did not i think i was i was really in xenoblade one at the moment i didn't want to like spoil too much as Xenoblade. 2. so like it's too much i
0: I, as i've been playing through this game i've been thinking about some of the responses there because one of them was about like they had the six characters and one of them on, on screen at the same time largely because like it felt incongruous with the story when Mm -hmm. they would have moments like in Xenoblade one, where you'd only have three characters running around and then have a cutscene where the other ones would show up. Um, Which like, I do kind of like, like that is like, that's, that's the part of the reasoning why they had six characters on screen at one time. And then with that as well as they're like, yeah, like Noah and Mio are the two main characters, but they wanted to like make sure everybody else had their time to shine. And Mm -hmm. I remember raising an eyebrow when I read that and I'm playing the game and I'm like, they're actually kind of doing it. Like I just like early on, I'm like, ah, Teon sucks. And then you get to some of the, I mean, and this is core story stuff. This isn't even side stuff. Like uh, already, like he's had, like you, you've learned more about this character. Like they're not afraid to, to spend too much time (laughs) on like, all right, let's go and do this character's backstory now. And, from what i've heard about so like when you get the classes at the rank 10 then there's also like the ascension quests that get them up to the rank 20 that i think mm-hmm. unlock in like chapter 5 or something like when those hit apparently those like side stories deepen the specific characters e- even more both from when you do the the you know the the six six main characters classes at the outset when you do the back half of those you'll get more details on them and then even for the heroes their ascension quests will give you more like basically you know the hero quest was the first part of the story and then this is the the next part of the conclusion um and i just love i love how much it fills out the world like the the lore in this game is crazy i I'm, I'm really digging it
1: yep i'm right there with
0: you it's a very really? very very good game yeah. um so we'll we'll see you guys next week when we're probably still in chapter 4
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i I'm, i told myself i'd i try and do more story but I, i'm doing a bunch of uh a uh, colony 11 side quests right now
0: yeah no which which i'll uh, once i like I, as i said once i get to a point where i have a fast travel point to where i'm at in the story then i'm gonna go back and clean up some of the side quests i have regrets about playing through in the story so i think you made the right decision cool all right bye everybody Bye, bye